This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. It is a Wednesday. I, I'm glad we didn't come on. Sandy and I five just, seconds. Yeah, early. yeah. We're we're getting we're getting things done early here. We we've been uh, chomping at the bit to get going on this show today. Of course, the Denver Broncos will take on the New England Patriots later this uh, weekend. They have games on uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, and we will talk about that. But uh, we talk about a team that is at least expected to be a little bit closer to a championship, and that is the Colorado Avalanche. And let's not put too fine a point on it after losing on the road to the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that is uh, not as good as the <laughs> Connor, Connor Bedard, it's notwithstanding. Tied for the fewest points uh, in the NHL right. at the present time. And they have not fired their coach, but the Ottawa Senators, who have more points, fired their coach. The Minnesota Wild, in the same division, with nine more points than Chicago, the Minnesota Wild fired their coach. The St. Louis Blues were 10 points out of the Blackhawks in the Central Division, fired Craig Berube, their coach, and there were calls in Buffalo last night in the wake of a 9-4 beating at home, the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets, with, since I think the end of last season made two coaching changes, uh, that... Uh, Don Granado be let go. Uh, the same thing that greeted DJ Smith of the Ottawa Senators hours before he was, in fact, let go. So um, losing to the Blackhawks is losing to a team that, in terms of uh, point percentage, is second from the bottom in the NHL ahead of only San Jose at the present time. That's not Great. And it's not, quite frankly, new for the Avalanche. You started the season 5 0 and 1, and since then have. Well, you know, 6 and 0. Are, you're right. Well, so 6 and 0. You're correct. And uh, since then have gone 13 11 and 2. Correct. That is a rather pedestrian record because, you know, you talk about that too. Uh, well, that's really a, a loss as well. So, I mean, you're really talking in many ways well, of. You're, you're a 500 team. You're 500 team. You've won 13, you've lost 13. Right. In your last 26 games. And. Last night, you have no five-on-five goals nope. against the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? You had two power play goals. The Blackhawks won the game in the third period on a power play goal, but the only two five-on-five goals scored in the game were scored by the Blackhawks in getting back into the game after the Avalanche had taken a 2-1 lead in the first period. Both goals one by... Nothing uh, Chicago, two power play goals by Nishushkin. Yep. That was it. And that was and that was it. McKinnon for the keeps his point streak alive. Rantan has an assist, and let's see, Druen had an assist, and, and he played okay. On the other, yep. And Malinsky had an assist and played okay. Uh, but um, I would say for the other nine forwards on the ice, they've been better off staying in bed. The Avs outshot the Blackhawks by fifteen. They, of course, doubled them up in penalty minutes. That's part of the problem. But they also did something they don't do very often, Sandy. They won the faceoff circle on the night, 52.1%. They ended up ahead of um, Chicago, something they normally do not do. Uh, the penalties were a concern and some careless ones. Miles Wood not only had uh, a couple penalties, but then, of course, apparently mouthed off to the referee yeah, on beautiful. the way out of the uh, box. On the other hand, getting themselves another penalty. Uh, some, some really kind of 
bad penalties, especially in the third period, the three, and that's not a, at the three on Miles Wood. Yeah. And then uh, Ryan Johansson gets one uh, roughing, obviously. And, and that situation was a little different. Uh, Jonathan Duran uh, had been kind of popped late. They kind of missed probably a call where Duran was hitting the back. Duran kind of retaliated. It got into scuffle. And then Ryan Johansson ended up getting in trouble, getting the roughing call and the misconduct, which is problematic when you're down by one yeah. and trying to score. Sure. And your best faceoff man, who had just won the previous two faceoffs in the offensive zone, Gets himself tossed. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll give you another thing, though. I, and I look at these things maybe a little more closely than I should. And and, and I'm not a big fan of face-offs except in, in key situations. Special teams are important. Um, Latent games and tight games are important. But generally, uh, you know, you see teams, it's, it's like third down percentage in football. You see teams with a better third down conversion percentage, lose games all the time. You see teams winning the faceoff battle. And, I mean, it was 25-23. Now, I understand that translates into 52.1 to 47.9%, but it's only two draws that they won. And that was that was Johansson, who went 6-3, and three, I think, on draws mm-hmm. last night. Otherwise, they lost most of the faceoffs. In any case, I look at six block shots, and I say no effort. I look at, by many of the players, not all, uh, I look at six block shots, I see no effort, none. Um, I look at six takeaways when Chicago had 15 takeaways. Right. And I see no effort, no effort, uh, no effort to get the puck back. I know they had the uh, territorial advantage, the shooting advantage, uh, even though uh, they were on the power play half as often as Chicago was. Chicago had six power play chances last night and finally scored. Uh, the game-winning goal on a power play in the third period. The Avalanche had only three and scored on two, um, both in the first period by Nishushkin. But I look at six block shots, and I say they didn't put enough into it. And I look at six takeaways, and I say they didn't put enough into it. And uh, Chicago had 15 takeaways and nine giveaways. So Chicago's plus six, and the Az are zero, six takeaways, six giveaways. Um, not good enough, and only 14 hits. Chicago at 23, and the Avalanche took more penalties for for the 14 yeah, hits. Double, they double. They took 32 minutes in penalties. And hits as many as the Hawks. The Hawks had nine more hits, but took half the penalty minutes. Right. The right. Avs did have 37 shots, but the top line of Ranton and Nachushkin and McKinnon had 15 right. of them. Right. So the other three lines did not. After the game, Katie Goss of Altitude TV had an opportunity yeah. to talk with Jack Johnson and, and asked specifically if the Avs had perhaps overlooked the Blackhawks. Here was his response. Coming into this game, we knew you had a big opportunity, a really young Chicago team missing a lot of pieces. Do you feel you guys underestimated your opponent here tonight? No. No, I'm not going to buy into that. I think... Uh, we just weren't very good, and we were we were anxious to come in and try and try and get two points. And um, you know, I don't think anybody takes anybody lightly in this league. It's it's too good of a league. From your perspective, what were some of the things that you feel the team just wasn't able to connect on here tonight? Uh, I, I just, I mean, I don't think we were overly crisp. I thought our power play was was snapping it around pretty well. They just uh, just didn't put the puck in the net, and you know, our PK, which has been a strength of ours tonight, we let up a couple and. Uh, you know, that was probably the difference in the game there. Well, he isn't quite accurate on that. First of all, there were two for three in a power play, and they didn't give up a couple of power play goals. They gave up one, and that was the game-winning goal. 
So the penalty killing wasn't good enough. Five for six wasn't good enough. They needed to be six for six. And maybe they get into uh, a three-on-three overtime or a shootout, and they win that. And uh, But he was right about uh, – or she was right about one thing. Mm-hmm. And she followed up. Good for her. I, I was about to say que- – question are, to ask, and he dodged it. Yes. He dodged it. Uh, and Jack Johnson's a good guy. But she asked the right question. Then she followed up with an equally good question. And then what was it? If you didn't take him lightly, which they did, uh, he just wouldn't admit it. If it wasn't taken lightly, what the hell was it? Because that was a putrid effort. And again, putrid uh, effort. And it, and what what he said uh, at, at that point was was not in, entirely accurate. But you know, it, 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 this is it, it's one thing to play 500 hockey against elite teams, right? And that's okay. And that's basically what the Denver Nuggets are doing mm-hmm. against the good teams in the NBA. The Nuggets are a 500 team. Against bad teams in the NBA, the Nuggets are undefeated this year. They have not lost to a bad team. That's why I say they haven't had a bad loss. You could say the game against Houston at home when they were down by 25 points or something after three quarters. That was a bad loss because they stunk it out for three quarters. But they rallied in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. and made a game of it. I'm not saying they should have won or could have won, but they at least made it closer. They haven't had a bad loss. You can't say the same thing about the Avalanche who got beat 4 nothing by a Buffalo team that may be about to fire its coach. And they lost four to nothing. And they lose three to two to the sad sack Blackhawks who are looking forward maybe to another shot, uh, not at a player of Connor Bedard's caliber, but another another number one overall pick, somebody comparable. And and they have been bad against these teams. And again, I'm glad you pointed that up because I was going to as well. You know, obviously you get yeah, to hear lost to Anaheim. Katie Goss on this Joke. Uh, show rather often where fans are Katie. And that's because, look, uh, she uh, asked uh, tough questions. Those questions she just asked. Remember, by the way, that's on altitude. That's on yes. the, that's on the station that is owned by the team. It's all the same company. And she's going and asking the tough questions. And so give her a lot of credit. Absolutely. In a in a field in which that is few and far between. Nowadays, especially when you know exactly Maybe she should be covering the Broncos uh, and Sean Payton would actually get asked a tough question. (laughs) Or followed up on, uh, at least for sure. But later, after that, of course, she works her way over to the post-game press conference with Jared Bednar. Yeah. And asks the questions of Jared Bednar. And take a little bit of what you heard from Jack Johnson, a little bit of what Sandy just told you about the way the Avs have been playing, and listen to his responses to Katie's questions. Well, Coach, I asked Jack Johnson if he thought this was a case of you guys underestimating your opponent. He said he didn't think so. What would you say the breakdown was for you guys here tonight with Chicago? Yeah, I didn't think so either because I thought, like, especially first period, I, I liked our game a lot. Um, we were in attack mode, um, creating some really good chances. Obviously, got a couple of power plays out of that from our hard work and capitalized on those. Um, again, starting to become a broken record but I thought we shot ourselves in the foot a couple times tonight. If you look at um, turnover to the first goal against you know, routine coverage on a controlled breakout, they get the second goal and the second period was probably my least favorite um, and that was mostly turnovers by us that led to their scoring chances against and uh, Gorgie had a great period um, but the reality of it is, I mean, we didn't score a five-on-five goal tonight. Like we, we had some good chances, didn't capitalize, and then, um, like, 
I still think we could have made a lot harder on them defensively, and, and part of that was um, our mismanagement of the puck. You know, like just forcing things a little bit and turning pucks over in the wrong area. That you know, when we have a chance to sustain our ozone cycle and wear them down a little bit, we didn't do it. Uh, he's exactly right, and it, especially the last part. It, listen, uh, hockey is a game of turnovers. What matters is where you turn the puck over. Mm-hmm. When yeah. and where, but especially where. And if you turn it over in the wrong places, in the high-danger scoring areas of the opposition, puck's in your net more than it should be. And this is where I think you, you begin to drill down little by little, and you'll see not only a characterization of the way they played last night, but basically uh, what they've been doing for the better part of the last 26 games. And there certainly have been some moments where they have taken control of games, but I'm telling you, if they don't score the first goal, they're almost always in trouble in a game. It doesn't mean they can't win it, but they're almost always in trouble. And when they do score the first goal, they're almost never in trouble. And we talked about the 6-0 start, but remember the first two losses were both shutout losses. I think they were both 4-0 games Mm -hmm. against Pittsburgh. Uh, which is right now second from the bottom in the Metropolitan Division ahead of only Columbus. And then the Buffalo game that you and mentioned And then the before. Buffalo game, second from the bottom By the only way, to Ottawa. So was their third loss. Because after the Buffalo loss, they came back and beat the Blues 4-1, to but then they went to Vegas and got smoked 7-0. Yeah. Their first three losses, three losses of the year, they were shut out. Right. It is a team that right. seems to have some well, challenges if, if there. Vegas, you can have a bad night. I, I get I, that. I, I'll give them that. But losing to Buffalo and Pittsburgh... At this point in the year, or earlier than this point, you're losing. Pittsburgh is 14 and 16, won and lost, including overtime slash shootout losses. Buffalo is 13 and 15, and lost nine four to Columbus last night, and they and they beat you four to nothing, in, in another no hitter, so to speak, and no no effort game. Uh, you had a shootout loss to Anaheim that I mentioned. Um, you you lost once to Seattle. Seattle is ten and twenty three this year, one lost. They've lost nine games in overtime to shootout. They've lost fourteen in regulation. They've won only ten. That's ten and and twenty three. You lost to that team once. You lost to them in the playoffs last year in seven games. But you lost. You beat them twice. But you lost to them once in your building, right? Where the Avalanche are supposed to be pretty clean um they had that road streak and now they're paying for it uh they're not playing well on the road at all uh, with the exception of one game against dallas and even in that game that was the one game where they got down three to nothing and came back with six unanswered goals that's about the only time this year they've gotten behind in a game by multiple goals and come back to win if they give up the first goal they're always in trouble if they score the first goal they're almost never in trouble and the problem is, especially over the last 26 games, they've hardly ever scored the first. The game. home record is still good. A 12 and four at home. No other team has more than 12 wins at home. So I mean, things have are right. pretty good there. Vancouver yeah, is fine. the league's best at it's 12, fine. three and one. It's fine. But uh, the road, as you pointed out, seven, seven, and two. It's and when you enough. look at the other contenders, uh, you look at Dallas. Dallas on the road is nine, three, and three. Winnipeg, which is behind the yeah. by points, is nine, four, and one. Right. The Vegas is nine four and three. The That's Canucks the are ten six and one. That's the Kings the are thirteen one and one 
away from L.A. Now, they're 500 at home. And all the teams you just mentioned, top three teams, uh, well, the two other than the Avs in the Central and in the Pacific, the top three teams, those teams, with the exception of Winnipeg, which is one point behind the Avalanche with two games in hand, so they'll soon enough be passing Colorado in the standings when they catch up to them in games played. They're all better teams. They're all better teams on the basis of how they played so far. With the exception of Winnipeg, that's technically one point behind the Avalanche. Dallas, same number of points, fewer games, better point percentage. Vegas, better point percentage. Vancouver, much better point percentage. Kings, much better point percentage. I mean, those are the teams you you consider yourself in their company, right? Yeah. Out of those six, you're number six. You're number six right now. When you look at those those eight spots, right, if you were to say there's there's eight spots right now, that would be as it stands today, and the playoffs obviously aren't today. We're not even at the halfway point. But you'd go from Vegas to Arizona. In the last ten games, only one team has a losing record out of those eight. It's the Avalanche. Uh, the the trends are one out of the eight. Avalanche are four, five, one and one the in their last ten. Eight. It's yeah. not like a group of two. Or th- it's eight yeah. teams. Yeah. Seven of them in playoff position have winning records yeah. in the last ten, or five hundred records yeah. at least. But they, in fact, as a matter of fact, in this case, it is all winning records in the last ten, except for the Avs. And they're and that, a mess. You know, listen. I'm looking at the other teams in the division. Arizona's very much improved, uh, sixteen, thirteen, and two, and they've beaten the Avalanche this year. Uh, Nashville beat the Avalanche uh, 18 and 14, which is not a terribly impressive record to me, but at least it's a winning record. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Louis is 15, 15 and one. Uh, Minnesota's playing better with a new coach, 13, 13 and four. Um, and I, I don't know what's going on in Edmonton because even with the coaching change, they're playing lousy. I watched a good part of yeah, the game with the Islanders last night. And the Islanders beat, beat them 3 1, and the game was not cl- that close. Uh, Seattle, as I mentioned, has lost 23 out of its 33 games. Calgary has lost 19 of its 32 games. That Those teams are just not any good. So, actually, as opposed to playing in the East, which seems to be a lot stronger this year than the West, at least so far, the Avalanche are getting a break, but they're not among the elite teams on, on present-day form. And I, 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 I like Georgiev's game well enough in the second period. There weren't any goals in the second period by either side. Right. So the goaltending was fine. But for the night, tell me that the Avalanche had the best goaltender on the ice. They didn't. They didn't. It, 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 uh, Marazic was great. Marazic was terrific, 35 saves on 37 shots. Um, they, yes, Bednar's right. The Avalanche shot themselves in the foot. They, they should have generated more danger than they did for all the shots they had. But... Again, uh, he said it a few weeks ago after the St. Louis debacle. Our forwards are getting outplayed by their forwards. Our defensemen are getting outplayed by the opponents. Defensemen and our goaltenders are getting outplayed. All the goaltenders are still getting outplayed. The more worst often thing than they should that you can hear when a team is playing poorly is the idea that there might be some fractures in the clubhouse. The idea that perhaps not everyone is pulling the same amount of weight. The problem is that may be the case with the Avs. We'll hear a rather explosive quote from Devon Taves next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. 
Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Misery business is right for the Colorado Avalanche of late. They have been uh, pedestrian at best, I think. And Sandy broke it down, and it appears that there, there might be some cracks beginning to show in the uh, the post-game locker room opportunity over from Gorilla Sports. Jesse Montano had an opportunity to talk to Devon Taves. Now, Taves is a uh, um, rather reserved, not the big talker, not the guy that you usually go to for a quote and a kind of a consummate professional teammate. Yes. One of the reasons that the Avalanche absolutely were able to grab him and he became an instant uh, perfect fit for the team and has been ever since. Well, after this game, uh, Jesse asked him a couple of questions, and the answers became more and more revealing and even potentially explosive as they go on. It's a longer, it's a longer bit. It's about two minutes, but it's worth listening to everything he's saying because uh, there's for a, purposes of context, there absolutely. is a lot to understand and a lot to unpack. So you guys never really got going in yeah, we came out pretty well, actually. You know, the power play goals obviously helped. Um, at some point, you know, they're going to get power plays back, too. It usually can't see even itself up and, uh, you know, break down on the penalty kill for the third goal. But besides that, you know, we, we didn't really get to our game much. You know, it, it looked at times like we were, and then we just don't. I think uh, it's frustrating right now. I was going to say, you seem really visibly frustrated. What is it that's just so you know, upsetting about a loss like that? No, it's just self-awareness of, of knowing the situation and, and knowing the way the game's trending. And we have guys that are, you know, going out against our structure and, and doing things that we don't do as a team. And, and that's what's frustrating, you know, when you have 20 guys in here that are working towards the same goal and have the same, you know, goal in mind. It's, it's fun to play. Uh, you know, that's how you win games in this league. And when you have 14 guys that are that are playing to the structure and six that aren't, it's really tough to win in this league. That's, you know, it doesn't take a lot, you know, or, or many guys to go against the way the team wants to play in order to, uh, in order to lose a game. And just our self-awareness of, of knowing when we're playing well and knowing when we're not is just not there. You know, we don't have the self-awareness of, of what it takes to win as a team and, and what it takes as an individual to, to compete and, and play your best right now. So it's, it's it's frustrating when, you know, as a collective, you're not pulling for the same goal. How do you, this is maybe a silly question. How do you fix that? I mean, it's, it's self-awareness. We need guys that know, you know, know how to play in our system, how to, how to play our game and, and know what it takes. And uh, if we have guys in here, like we got some guys that think they're playing well and I think they're kidding themselves at this point. It's, it's frustrating to play with. Uh, you know, play out there when, when you got guys that think they're playing well and, and they're doing things that, you know, you have no idea what play they're going to make or, or where they're going to be on the ice. And uh, it's it's tough to play in this league when, when you don't know where your teammates are going to be. So, um, you know, that's where a lot of the frustration stems from. Now you'd assume that that's a lot for a mild-mannered guy, but a leader and a guy who said what needed to be said. And coming from McKinnon, it would not be surprising. Coming from Renton, it would not be surprising. Uh, coming from McCarr, even, it would not be surprising. Coming from Taves, it is surprising, but it is pointed. And you are exactly right in describing as the conversation went on and, and good uh, for the questioner mm-hmm. in keeping it 
the conversation going because he sensed that there was this more guy get is off his chest. becoming more and more agitated. Mm-hmm. And you saw in the second half of that answer, you saw the breakdown. We got about 14 guys going in one direction and six guys freelancing who think they're playing well. And the automatic reaction is he's talking about forwards because when he's out there, there's only one other defenseman, and he was paired with Manson last night. don't think he's talking about Manson. Manson's actually been one of the more consistent players on the team all year. I thought Manson played fine last night, 21 minutes, 21 seconds. Uh, No goals, no assists, but he was was zero in the plus-minus. He wasn't a minus player. And, you know, you think he's talking about, uh, you know, one or more of the nine forwards on the second, third, and fourth lines. But I, I think he may be talking about something or someone else when he's talking about guys who think they're playing well, but they're not. They're doing things that are not conducive to team play and thereby uh, not aligned with winning hockey. Yeah. At least the way we're structured and set up. We have 14 playing within the structure and six who aren't. I doubt he's talking about six forwards. I agree with you on that point. And the defenseman um, who showed a few weeks ago in a piece written by Peter Ball for The Athletic, some degree of self-awareness and saying he wasn't really happy with his game, didn't think he was playing well. But also there was a little bit of whine in that, when he was playing with Sam Girard, it was Girard, both were left-handed shots. It was Girard who got to play left defense, and Byron who had to go from left defense to right defense, and he made a big deal about it, how how, how tough it was. And I, 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 I get that, but most teams don't have an abundance of right-handed shooting defensemen. Mm-hmm. They have more left-handed shooting defensemen than right-handed shooting defensemen. So some one who's left-handed has play on the right side. Right. And they don't complain about it. Especially a player of Byram's caliber shouldn't be complaining about anything like that at all. Now he's playing with Sam Malinsky. And my sense, and I think possibly yours too, is that he feels now, well, he's back on left defense because Malinsky's a right-handed shot. So he's back on left defense where he'd rather be. And he's got seniority, young as he is, over Malinsky. Right. Not over Gerard when he's playing with Gerard, but over Malinsky, he does have seniority and he can do whatever he wants and he can break structure and Malinsky can cover up for him because Malinsky's the younger player. You know something? Byron played about nine and a half more minutes than Malinsky did last night. Malinsky, I'll take Malinsky's 1406 over Byron's 2329. At least Malinsky contributed an assist uh, on a power play. And Byram, who's out there on the power play too now with McCarr out, he's out more than usual on a power play. And Byram's doing Zippo. He's not doing anything on special teams. He's not killing penalties that often because he isn't very good at it. And five on five, he's been awful this year. There's no other way that he's been awful. He's not. He's a shadow of the player he was during the 22 playoffs. And that was the year he had all the concussions. There are, and as far as we know, he's healthy right now. Two defensemen, and, and that will include Sam Girard, who's not currently active, but Girard played in 15 games. When you look at the team's 
plus minus on the season. Gerard is dead last at a minus seven. We also know now that there are some mitigating circumstances, which is why he's not with the team. Nevertheless, minus seven in the 15 games. The only other defenseman that is minus on this offensively gifted team is Bowen Byram, who is a minus three. Now, the other minus players, Miles Wood, of course, notably taking three penalties. Yeah, last he wasn't night. any good last uh, night. Ross Colton, minus three. He was bad. Uh, Ryan Johansson, minus two. Arturi Lekkonen is minus three in his 12, but I think that's a, a well, smaller yeah, sample size. Uh, Jonathan Duran, by the way, is only down to minus one as he's continued to ramp up his he's game. He's playing better. 13 he points had another in, point last night. 13 points in 30 games. And he played, uh, Drouin did almost six minutes more than Colton. And it would only play 12 11 because he's in the penalty box for about that. But you talk about Malinsky, Sandy. Now, Bone Byram averaging 20 minutes and 31 seconds on the ice this year. And in the 32 games, five goals, five assists for 10 points, minus three and 32 penalty minutes. Malinsky now has only played in 10 games. But in those 10 games, he has a goal and four assists for five points. That's half of Byram's total. In less than a third of the games, Malinsky is a plus one, where Byram is a minus three. Byram is averaging a penalty minute a game, 32 minutes in 32 games, and Malinsky has yet to take a penalty in 1440 of ice time since he's been recalled. As it stands right now, Sam Malinsky is a better player for the Colorado Avalanche than Bo Byram. If you were to switch the names numbers on the back of their jerseys, you probably would say that looks about right. But Bowen Byram is playing like a guy right now that should be on the cusp of being shuffled back and forth between Loveland and the Colorado Eagles and the Avalanche. What you see with Malinsky and Caleb Jones, who I would argue in the last handful of games since Caleb McCarr's been unavailable, have maybe both been better than Byram. And notably, including last night, much more infrequently found out of position where Byron has Byron put himself spent the whole a lot. year out of position. And, and I'm not talking about that, being on the wrong side where he doesn't want to shoot. I mean being where he's not supposed to well, be with his defensive responsibilities. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, as far as I can remember, when he was shooting the puck into the crowd and getting penalized for it right. multiple times, he was on the left side when he was doing that. He was on the left the side. He was on the right side doing it. He was on the left side doing that. I mean... Just careless, lazy mistakes by a guy who, in my opinion, is not putting out. Oh, and by the and way, in I, case I you're like curious. Bo Byram enormously, and he's got great talent. And yet, you know what? At 22, he can put out. He's not hurt. You know, we're sympathetic with him even last year, though he wasn't dealing with concussions. He had other injuries, and we cut him all the slack that we could possibly cut him last year and when he was healthy quote-unquote healthy didn't play great didn't get on him but there's no chance that this year he escapes notice and I suspect that Devontae's is talking among others about Bo Byron. I think he's included it's not just the new guys when he talks about playing in our system playing in our ways uh, the, the plus minus is a cumulative stat over the course of the year Kill McCarr leads the Avs with plus 13, McKinnon and Nachushkin with plus 8 each, and then tied for fourth place are multiple players. Devon Taves, Andrew Cogliano, Logan O'Connor at plus 6. The fourth guy? Caleb Jones, who's plus 6. Tied for fourth on the team in 15 games. Now, he doesn't have a goal yet. He has three assists. For those not familiar, 
when you're killing penalties, you get scored on, you don't get a minus. When you're on the power play and you score, you don't get a These plus. are five-on-five five numbers. So these are five-on-five five numbers. Caleb Jones is a plus six Caleb in 15 Jones games. Caleb Jones is plus six in 15 games. And that's, that's what, 12-43 on ice on average. And, you know, last night he played 10-27 because they, they had to load up when they were down in the third parade with Taves and Byram, who are offensive-minded defensemen. And Jones is not. He's a defensive-minded defenseman. Manson is not, and Jones is not, and Johnson is not. Uh, Malinsky... Was on the power play last night and had an assist, uh, but you know if if you're giving Bo Barham 23 minutes and 29 seconds, it, it, it you'd initially suppose that if they were at full strength and he was getting those kinds of minutes, he must be playing well and we may be missing something. He's only playing that much because they're behind and they need offense. He's not providing it. He's not playing within the structure. He's out of position more than any other player on the team. Uh, Wood, who has not been penalized frequently until last night, right. is is a, at least last night was an example of a guy who was not playing within the structure and doing dumb things. Uh, I thought Colton was terrible last night, and he, even I didn't think Johansson was very good. But Johansson, as the quote unquote third line center, played four minutes more than the second line center Ross Colton which uh, I guess is Jared Bednar's way of saying I meant what I said a few weeks ago, that ice time will be earned, and though Johansson was not great, he was much better than Colton and got four minutes of ice time, even though technically he was the third-line center last night, Johansson, and Colton was the second-line center. Second line, uh, at least Colton would, stunk last night. I liked Duran's game, especially in the first period, Um I, I I do not I, think Duran's one of the guys. Duran's that's been, not one of the guys. Uh, in fact, I think that's, that has been. Devon Taves is you know, people love the stock up, stock down. I think Duran started a little slow, but I think that's been going up at about a forty-five degree angle uh, for I, a few weeks now. I, I agree. I think, he's fit I think in. there are four forwards who have been giving the Avalanche production night in and night out when healthy and able to play. And I'm excusing Nishishkin for a few games when he was sick. Who has 15 goals on the air at this right. point, mind you, yeah. McKinnon, Nashushkin, Rantanen, and Drouin are giving it to you every night, and so is O'Connor, and so mm-hmm. is Cogliano when he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, McDermott, who hardly ever plays, when he's out there, he's giving you everything yeah, he is. he's got. Uh, Olofsson and Kivi Ranta are fourth-line players who are 8- to 10-minute-a-game uh, guys. I, I don't expect much uh, from them. Uh, you know, Myers continues to be a teaser. And he's been uh, sent out back of every down five to, games who give you one good yeah, one. They sent him back to Colorado. Ones, and he sent him right back to the Eagles because Tatar was dealt. Yeah, Tatar has been traded because he was a zero, basically. And they also needed the the, the salary. Um, I think they're up to something. I think they will make moves. They, they've got to give some of these guys a jolt. And I, I'm really disappointed in Colton, uh, especially. Wood can be a hammerhead. Uh, at times, and we knew he was that, that way penalties in New were a problem in New Jersey. We, we knew that, right? Uh, but it, it, Colton has played on a Stanley Cup championship team, and he should be better than he's been, and he should be putting out more than he is. He, he's a high effort guy. Uh, his when he's involved in the goal, either setting one up or scoring one, uh, I like the way he celebrates, and it's it's great. But on a night like last night, you're playing. You're playing an inferior team 
and you let them basically in the last two periods skate circles. They dictated around. play. The the, the Blackhawks dictated the play. The of second that game. period, Bedo- uh, uh, Bednar said he liked the least of the three periods. Yeah, and it, there were no goals scored in the second period. period. But that was the period the Avalanche should have taken a one or two goal lead that they could have protected in the third period, even in allowing one power play goal. They could have had a lead and at least gotten the game to overtime, if not had a two-goal lead and and won it four to three. That should have been the result last night. And for Taves to say what he said, and it wasn't just kind of a comment he made and everything else was positive. For for Taves, that was basically a rant. He was leading up to the points he made and if he had spoken for another two minutes, he might have, he might have said even by name. more. Exactly. He might have started naming names. He might have. Because he, you could tell he was close. When he, he broke it down, 14 guys versus six. Mm-hmm. He's a precise guy. He's not just pulling those numbers he knows what out six of he's the talking clear about. blue sky. Absolutely. And we'll find out. The Evs have an opportunity to bounce back. They are back in Denver. They play on Thursday against Ottawa. That's not a good team. And then Arizona on Saturday. They get them both at home. Then next Wednesday, they'll go to Arizona. Time for the Avs to kind of put up or shut up at this point in the season and play a little bit better. We will find out. The Denver Nuggets, however, not having as many issues. They are going to tip it off in a little less than an hour up in the great white north where you're thinking more hockey, but uh, they will be facing the Raptors. We'll take a look at the Nuggets on the road where they look to even their road record tonight. We'll look at them next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. If I can make, if I can make your heart my home, throw me to the world. If you haven't had a chance to see it, go to Mile High Sports social media account. That's pretty easy at Mile High Sports. And uh, you will get to see versions of the uh, first national ad featuring Nikola Jokic and Peyton Watson, who work together on a couple of uh, Hotel.com ad that is uh, ads that are hilarious, taking advantage of uh, Jokic's off-kilter personality. Go give it a, a look. But the the Nuggets, a little, almost a little surprised to see that. I know they're champs, but the idea that you might be able to get a little traction with Nikola Jokic and Peyton Watson around uh, the commercial world shows that the Nuggets obviously have found something pretty compelling in their product. And with good reason. Now, granted, they go on the road tonight. They play the Raptors. They are uh, seven and eight on the road. They have been notably, as you pointed out earlier in the show, Sandy, they haven't had a really, truly bad loss yet, but they haven't been at their best on the road, even though when they've played teams that are pretty good. Got a losing record on the road. And they haven't really been that good. And it seems at times to be something of, uh, a focus issue, although there are some, obviously you look at it and realize from the majority of November, they didn't have Jamal Murray. Pretty important when he's your second best player. They will take on Toronto. This is part of a three-game road trip. They play yeah, tonight. three bad teams. Yeah, tonight at Toronto, Friday against Brooklyn, Saturday against Charlotte on the, the latter, of course, on that back-to-back. Uh, it feels like the Nuggets need to come back 
to Denver on Christmas Day for that showdown with the Warriors with a winning road record. And that would mean you got or at least 500. You got to win two of the three or all three. I think they should probably win all three of these. They these are teams should not play win well. all three. Uh, Brooklyn's basically a 500 team. Uh, that's what their record is. They played 13 at home, 13 on the road. They're 13 and 13. Perfect illustration of a 500 team. Uh, two of the worst seven teams in the league are Toronto and Charlotte. Right. Based on present form. Now, They're I bad. understand that Toronto is technically is in 10th place. Really bad. <laughs> uh, Charlotte is worse than Toronto by quite a large a amount. 280 winning I, percentage. I just want to give Ugh. you this because this is why I pay attention to the road win, home loss differential. Mm-hmm. Indiana is 13 and 12. They played 13 at home and 12 in the road. Okay. They're about where they should be. They win at home, they lose on the road with the same frequency. Brooklyn, I just mentioned 13 and 13, 13 at home, 13 on the road. Toronto is 11 and 15, but their record should be reversed based on the fact they played 15 home games and they've lost 15 games. Atlanta is also 11 and 15, but they played 15 of the 26 on the road. So I'm not saying Atlanta's good, but Atlanta is actually better than Toronto through the first 26 games. They've just had yeah, more road Yeah, if you games. were to compare They've teams with equal games. records, you'd, right. yeah, I think that's a fair way to put and it. I, and, right. I, and I look. They've had a harder schedule. This isn't as extreme in the West because the West is collectively plus seven. The East collectively, obviously, minus seven. Uh, Boston blew a game last night in San Francisco that it should have won. I mean, there were 17 points ahead at one point, and they end up losing. The Warriors play great. Curry made a magnificent late-game three-pointer to cinch the game. And that was like the second best key shot of the evening by John Morant. Right. Return game. Welcome back. Making a, a great play at the end to come from way back. They were more than 20 points down, I think, in, in that game to New Orleans. In New Orleans, I think. Right? I, well, it was in Memphis. It was Might in New Orleans. Yeah, it was, it was, it was in New Orleans. Thank you, Danny. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and they win the game. And. You know, Memphis not going anywhere. The wind puts them at 7-19. and 19. They're buried. But, it, I, you know, I felt good for Moran. I, I did. Uh, you know, he's brought on all his troubles. Yeah. His own self. Like, just go back to the right? hotel after you're done. Yes. Good game. Just straight back to the hotel. But last night, he was inspiring. He got better as the game went on. He didn't get tired. He played a ton of minutes. He clearly kept himself in shape. <laughs> yeah. And he was ready Watch to go. Dunk on he, he was yeah. very good. And New Orleans is getting great nights from Valanchonis and Ingram. Not so great from Zion, which is another story entirely. But New Orleans is a pretty good team. And Memphis came back and, and stole that game from them. But my point is in the West, you've got Phoenix at 14 and 13 and Golden State at 13 and 14. But actually, Golden State's played more road games, so they're really doing a little better. Golden State is kind of a soap opera right now in many ways, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you what, Phoenix doesn't have the drama around it, but I don't know. Is Bradley Beal going to play in 15 games this year or less than 15 games this year? (laughs) I don't know because he just sprained his ankle, and he's out for at least two more weeks. And this was always when when everyone happened with Phoenix. They have not had for more than a few minutes 
all three guys together, they're, they're Durant, not, Beal, and Booker. They're not going to either. And, and so that's my point. They're You're not. more than a third of the way into the season, beginning to think we're not really going to see these three guys together very often, if at all, between now and the end of the season. So I would submit that Golden State is in better shape than Phoenix. Agreed. But the rest of the standings are right where they should be. Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, and Sacramento Just are one through think four. Think about that. Dallas, David Stern LAC. has got to be spinning in his grave when the Western Conference standings are Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, Denver and Sacramento. Sacramento. One through four. Five <laughs> and six. I mean, Dallas big market. And Los Angeles to the Clippers. Yeah, but, but, he, then, but he never wanted but the then, Clippers to do but well. But then you it have the only team he wanted. It virtually the same space, New Orleans. It's mm-hmm. not a huge market. No. And, uh, you know. Then you have so, the uh, the so, NBA in-season tournament champion, Lakers. Yeah, you go, well, of course. Well, I mean, they hung a banner. It's hung important. Hung a banner they and then mention blew that. a home game. And then they, then they got, yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, but, uh, you know the only, tournament champion. you know what, the only true bad team in basketball are Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, Charlotte, Washington, and, and Detroit. Detroit. Those Detroit six teams are dreadful, and really you bad. should never lose to them. No. Regardless Detroit's of where you're 25. playing. 2-25. I mean, San Antonio's 4-22. and 22. And you probably shouldn't lose to Utah and Chicago either, but they aren't nearly as bad as the six we just mentioned. Correct. Correct. So this feels the like... The Nuggets an- are doing fine. And they are. They are three and a half behind Minnesota. They're only at a half game behind Oklahoma City. But it's interesting also, by the way, if divisions mattered, which they haven't in a while, the top three teams in the West are all in the Northwest division. Yeah. Easy. If you forgot what division the Nuggets Correct. are in, that's Correct. also that's, um, okay. because And they'd be in third place they, in, they'd their be in their own place division. They'd be in third place in their own division. How can the world champions be in third place and you're saying they're playing well? Because they're, in effect, three games behind Minnesota. Minnesota's been great. Minnesota's 20-5, and and Minnesota has played more road games than home games. Yeah, and they are the best team in the league. They are better than Boston. They are tip-top. They they are better than Boston. We'll have to watch because I do think there are some things with Minnesota that make me wonder if they're – we've seen teams that are sort of built for the regular season and then teams that are built for the playoffs, and we'll we'll see. I know who the stars are, supposedly, okay? Edwards, well, there's definitely. Anthony Edwards, and then, then Carl Anthony Towns, Towns and then and everybody Gobert. else. Right. Gobert leads that next group. Okay, but, but that's Edwards. not true. The most important players on that team are Edwards, Connolly, and two guys who play terrific defense, McDaniels, when he's healthy, yep. and he hasn't been healthy all year, although he's healthy again now, and Nas Reed. Reed. Those are the foremost they're the, important they're the difference players, makers, I think. Yeah. Towns has improved. He's stopped making as many mistakes. He's more efficient offensively, and he's improved to being average on defense as opposed to bad, and he's getting on the boards a little bit. Gobert is there for defense and rebounding, and I must say he's doing both mm-hmm. well. And he's even scoring more than you're used to seeing score when that's required. They are a really good team. They have an excellent bench led by Naz Reed, who is being used correctly. I mean, on most teams, Naz Reed would start. Yeah. On this team, you bring him off the bench, and he's nobody can match up with him if he's coming off the bench. 
On the road this year, uh, and by the way, Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon listed as uh, you know date game time decision day to day. We will see. Obviously, Nikola Jokic in this month, twenty four point three points a game, twelve point one boards, nine point four assists. Uh, did he not have the uh, triple single as you put it in the last he game? Did. He might be averaging a triple double uh, this month. Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. second on the team in scoring, at least. Well, Jamal Murray has only played in five games. Yeah, uh, he's at twenty one point four. Michael Porter Jr. at fifteen point three. Uh, but the thought, the part that's interesting is Porter Jr.'s rebounds this month up to 8.3, which would be a substantial, yeah. a, again, that part of his game continues to ascend, even though the shooting maybe this shooting year comes, and, comes goes. and goes. But the learning how to contribute in other parts of the game right. continues apace for right. Michael Porter Jr. I, I'm, I'm so fine with easy him. To he, forget. he is in a vast majority of the games. He's only 25. Play. And he's learning that other things are important beyond scoring. And that was the way he was trained. That was the way he was coached. Uh, you know, was a kid. prototype of an AAU player. Uh, all that matters is scoring because scoring is going to get you paid. And, and it did. It, it did. <laughs> uh, but since being paid, I give him credit when he didn't necessarily have to. But when Malone coached him, at maybe 99. 9% of the time coached him right and maybe, you know, was a little too punitive once or twice last year during the regular season. But I thought the best thing about having Bruce Brown around was it gave Malone an option when he didn't think Porter was doing everything Porter was capable of doing uh, down the stretch of close games in the, in the postseason. They had, in effect, six starting players last year. So uh, I, I give Porter enormous credit i don't care what his scoring average is he's playing the best basketball of his professional life very least broncos take on the uh, toronto raptors tonight in just about a half hour the denver broncos are in win or go home mode for the next three weeks it starts with the patriots they got a little help back today on the practice field or did they we'll discuss the broncos next on mile high sports so they can put it out 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 we can light it up 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 so they can put it out 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 we can light it 